Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode 127, and today we're going behind the story. I am your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And for our behind the story episodes, we like to talk to creative professionals across industries to unpack their journey. And today we're going to hear the story behind scriptwriter Mariama Ives Moiba. Mariama, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Um, I know we had a, a brief chat many months ago uh, in person at the Children's Media Conference. So I got like a tiny bit of your story when you did your when you were on the panel. And uh, that's why you're here, so I can get the rest of the story, basically. So, <laughs> so thanks for joining. And for people listening, you can subscribe to Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also send us your feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com. Or you can throw them at us on social media. We are at myamada on Twitter, at myamada TV on Instagram and TikTok, and at Tazzy on everything. You can also join Studio 77 Discord to be part of the My Matter universe and meet others in the community. You can consider becoming a member too to support the work we do at My Matter and get exclusive access to events and artwork uh, as well. And before we get into peppering Mariama with a bunch of questions, let's find out what exactly is happening in the My Matter universe. And as we stare at the end of another calendar year, uh, I want to give the Usual announcement that uh, we're coming to the end of the season. I was going to say the podcast, the podcast season. Uh, that would be a darker heads up. But um, no, just the year of recording. Uh, so we're on season four of the podcast. And in December, uh, we wrap up our recording schedule, take a break over January, and then come back with the next season in February. So we have this episode is our last recorded episode, or our last regular recorded episode. And then we have our highlights episode, which is full of things that don't make the final edit, uh, behind the scenes stuff, loads of bloopers, and even more bloopers. So you've got that to come. Uh, you've also got the wrapped episode where Tazzy and I go through our favorite stories of the year. Uh, we've got a few more categories this, uh, this time. So uh, we're changing up the format. So definitely stay tuned for that one. Um, and you can see Tazzy struggle with another top five countdown. Then over January, we've got rewind episodes. So we'll still have things coming in your podcast feed. Uh, they just won't be newly recorded. And then we'll be back with new episodes uh, as we remember how to record the podcast again in January 2023. Uh, also coming 2023, we have some new manga. So next year, uh, we're going to be working on some new manga, some larger volumes, some smaller uh, issues and uh, different stories, including uh, some Kickstarter campaigns as well. And we've been promising this for a lot of the year. We do have a story with Tazzy's character that's going to be attached to a Kickstarter campaign, and that's going to come in the new year. The story does exist. It is uh, mostly written, and we're going to be working on getting that out uh, fresh in the new year. But you can also check out the existing Mayamada manga, including the latest comic, Serious Through the Fog, which is a story about a pandemic that I made during the pandemic. So it features Blake Sirius and his team in their most toughest adventure yet. Or yeah, definitely, yeah, there's more, there's more to come. But um, we also have some Studio 77 activities. So depending on when you're listening to this, you can catch the VOD of 
my conversation with Laura Watton Davies on Twitch or on YouTube because we're going to work on putting highlights up there. And you can look forward to my conversation with Japanese comic creator Makiko on Tuesday, the 10th of January. So we'll be doing those monthly live streams where I talk to a different comic creator. Um, for December, our last December activity will be our games night where we'll be playing Republic of Jungle possibly on the 29th of December, he says into uh, a microphone as he's being recorded. Uh, but follow us on Twitch, follow us on social media. You'll get the date uh, for there when we confirm it. And then that is our monthly activity where we play games with Studio 77 members. And you can check out highlights from past games night on our YouTube channel. And you can also look forward to the Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign, which we'll be bringing back again in 2023. We're going to be making it a yearly effort to promote diversity and inclusion in the video games industry. So you can follow us on social media, uh, see the existing photo campaign that we did at the start of this year, uh, and that will be where we'll put the new photos for next year. And then uh, as long as well as the photos, we'll have a, another schedule of events and activities for you to get involved in. So this year's campaign has been proudly sponsored by Rocksteady Studios and Splash Damage, and we look forward to having more organizations, individuals from the games industry get involved next year. All right, that's pretty much uh, where we are as we wind down for the year. Now let's go behind the story with today's guest. Mariama is a freelance scriptwriter. She was one of the winners of the BAFTA Rockcliffe New Writing Competition and part of the BBC New Voices programme. She has written on Nova Jones and Messi Goes to Okaido. Currently, she is writing on Pip and Posey, The Rubbish World of Dave Spuds, Jojo and Gran Gran, Little Stories Everywhere, and other shows in development with CBBS and Zodiac Kids. And as I mentioned, uh, she was also on a panel at the Children's Media Conference where we met. So, Mariama, as we do with our interviews, we like to uh, push people in the deep end and uh, ask a Grand question. What does creativity mean to you? I think for me, it's just about um, using your imagination and just exploring your world around you. So it could be the personal world. It could be just literally your environment. It could be what you're seeing and hearing on the news. It could literally just be something completely unrelated to anything real like something in space or um, time traveling but it just comes down to you just using your imagination having fun with it and just going wild i think all right yeah i like that that imagination things that don't necessarily exist that's always it isn't it it's like taking things that uh, might exist but putting a new twist creating something that's that's new mm -hmm, uh, i like that exactly. all right cool let's talk about you and your journey into the world of television and children's TV uh, in particular, because so you're based in Stevenage, which uh, for our listeners, maybe in America or people who just don't leave the M25, much is a town just above London. So have you always lived there? Is that uh, where you've been like born and raised or is there somewhere else? Um, no. So I grew up in North London and I grew up, it was very multicultural and um it was busy a lot was happening because we're in london so we're in north london quite different so i grew up in arnest grove oh, okay that's not too far <laughs> for me okay so yeah that was the majority of my life spent 
in North London. Um, I only recently moved to Stevenage. Cool. And then with your introduction to writing, is that something that you did while growing up? Is that something you've always wanted to do? So I think like even at school, I mean, I really enjoyed English and I really enjoyed drama. Um, I feel like in school it's mainly focused on like being a prose writer. Um, don't really think about being a script writer at school. So I wasn't really aware of it. Um, my mum used to take us to the theatre all the time and I loved watching plays. Um, and I initially thought I wanted to be an actor. Okay. Then was when I was 19 that I um, wrote my first um, children's play, actually. It was for 12 to 16-year-olds uh, for the Trinity International Playwriting Competition. And um, I won it, and my play was performed at the Unicorn Theatre, and then I took it to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And oh, that's wow. when I was like, oh, cool, Like I can actually do this as a career. Wait, that um, was your first play? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was it was really, really exciting and um, I just loved the entire experience. But at the same time, I was young, so I was very much like, well, now I'm just going to go to uni. I was kind of already in uni, sorry. But I was like, I'm just going to do uni and just kind of focus on that. And it's when I graduated, I went to the University of East Anglia in Norwich and they have a really great, great like creative writing scheme. So I decided to do a master's there. Um, in script writing and that was really really cool opened me up to different mediums because before I literally only wrote for theatre and that was kind of like my focus I wasn't really thinking about writing for TV so on my course we got to write for different mediums and I was like oh I actually really like writing for TV I like how visual it is I like how fast paced it is and it's less dialogue than the theatre and stuff and there's a lot more action and can go to so many different locations so yeah then I when I graduated then I started writing all the time so I was working part-time whilst writing and then I was just entering competitions like non-stop <laughs> all right so so you realized pretty early that you wanted to go into writing for tv relatively speaking and make a living out of it what was the reaction from like parents or family when you decided, like, this is what I wanted to do. I imagine they were quite supportive. Yes. Um, no, they were very supportive. I think because I'd had the success with the playwriting, I think they were like, oh, okay, this, she clearly has um, kind of like a knack for it. And because also I managed to get a scholarship to get onto my master's for the script writing as well. So there was a lot of, like, things beforehand that were kind of showing that this could work out. Mm. and because I was still working as well it wasn't like I was just you dropped everything yeah yeah so I was still working and I was doing that on top so yeah at least I was making money and (laughs) uh, supporting myself so um yeah they were very supportive okay because that's always the thing that comes up right is like parents worried like does this thing make make money and how are you going to support yourself cool that's good and I, I guess technically it's therefore for taking you to the theatre so often really exactly they put that that love of um perform- just uh, yeah performance and um writing from from a young age yeah definitely yeah 
All right. So then once you've got this idea on uh, with you to go into the industry, did you get any early advice? Like what was the best advice that you that you got when did you follow it? Do you know what? I feel like I've got so much advice over the years now. It's kind of all like blurred. <laughs> so through different competitions. So for instance, I got in 2017, I got onto the Triforce Incubator. And that was really, really great because it was a year long mentorship. And um, Fraser and Minnie who run it, um, they were brilliant because they were really, really supportive. But then you also got a mentor within the industry. And mine was Matthew, and he was, um, at the time, well, he's a producer on Ghosts, the BBC Mm -hmm. um, show. And um, he was just great. He would read my work, and he would give me feedback, and then I would work on it. So we had one script that we'd work on for that whole year, and the idea was that by the end, that was going to be like a really strong spec script that we could then show to, like, agents, etc. Yeah, I think... For me, the most powerful thing is just being people saying, we like your idea, we like your Mm. writing. And the moment people like believe in you, because the thing is, it is quite lonely. And a lot of the time you've got to just keep pushing and keep believing in yourself, even when you are getting rejections and you're getting, and sometimes you won't even get an explanation for why you weren't chosen for a competition or something like that. You'll just literally get the generic email saying no. So when you do encounter people who are like, no, you've actually got some talent and you you just need to keep pursuing it and pushing because it's just such a difficult industry to break into. So I think I've come across so many talented writers over the years who have just decided that they need to get a full-time job because they can't sustain this life of, you know, pursuing their dream. So I don't mm. think... It's, I think a lot of it is just about preservation, really and truly. Like you've got to have talent, of course, but you've got to be so determined and just believe in yourself. And then when other people do believe in you, just remember that and keep pushing forward. Cause I think that's the most important thing I've got from anyone. Just yeah. that sense of belief, basically. Yeah. And no, that's really important. It's come up like many times when we talk to people in, in different industries. And just the idea, like you, you talked about some writers who, like you say, tried and maybe didn't or persevere for as long and decided to take another full-time job. It's actually reminded me of something where like, so I do workshops in, in schools and interesting enough, recently, funny enough, I do like comic story workshops, like creative writing. Mm-hmm. comes up there as well. But recently I was doing a, a STEM workshop, so nothing to do with creative writing. Mm-hmm. There was a, a young girl uh, in their year nine, year 10. so like 14 or so and she mentioned that she's interested in in writing but that thing came up about does it make money and then even the her the teacher who was who was organizing this uh, teaches english and like she's interested in writing and we had like a sort of brief discussion about it and it's kind of that perception or that stereotype of the uh, the the struggling writer so f- for someone in your case like as a freelance writer how how does someone make money writing in this industry in any industry Mm-hmm. Well, so initially, when I finally got my first commission, uh, which was actually last year, August, and um, it was the week of my wedding, and um, 
obviously, as anyone will know, weddings can be very stressful, especially the week off. I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard and, and seen <laughs> on some of my friends' faces. <laughs> <laughs> but I just couldn't turn the opportunity down. So I just said yes. I was like, yep, I'll do it. I'll make time. I'll find time. And I even had to write the script on my honeymoon. Um, luckily, wow. I have a very understanding husband. <laughs> I was going to say, it must be. <laughs> but I think it's about, well, in terms of how do you make money from it. So initially, it was just like, okay, uh, this opportunity has come through. I've been waiting for years for this. I have to say yes. And I grabbed it. And then initially, when things were coming through, I was just saying yes to everything. Mm. And at the time, I was still working part time as a swim teacher. So I was still working four days a week. So it was quite full on and very, very, very stressful. Yeah. <laughs> and in hindsight, it was a little bit crazy, but I knew that I couldn't let this slip through my fingers because if I wanted to make this my career and something that I can live off, I had to really like build up my name and try and make as many connections as possible while I was still like hot. Does that make sense? Mm. So, like seize the moment to yes, borrow a phrase. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, so it, it was a short space of time. I managed to write on so many different shows. And the great thing with TV is that it is a lot more money than if you're in theatre, unless you're obviously really, really big in theatre. So money was coming in quite steadily. And in April this year, I decided to go full time because it was, yeah, it was all going really well. And I didn't want to try and keep juggling the two, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. So, since April, um, I've been full-time. Even though I do have an agent and he's great, I feel like because I made such good connections early on, it helped because it's such a small industry once you're in that then people will recommend you. They'll be like, oh, well, it's so-and-so. They were great on this show. What about this show? And even on writer's rooms, for instance, you meet so many different writers and a lot of them are head writers on other shows so if you can impress them in a writer's room then they'll be like oh like I've got another show in production in a few months time are you interested so yeah it's just kept rolling basically and obviously as you get further down you start to be able to say oh I can't do this opportunity or I can't do this one because mm, you get to be more selective work. yeah yeah you can only work on a certain amount but yeah I think the way to make it as a career is to initially kind of say yes and be open to whatever opportunities are coming your way and try not to be too picky and just do a really good job and be on time with deadlines like, <laughs> they just love that if you're on time with yeah. deadlines they're like great perfect um or even early even better <laughs> yeah well that's a that's a whole other level early <laughs> but, uh, yeah no that's good and so if i can like sort of connect some of those those um dots and in your case because you said you entered like a bunch of competitions and you you won mm -hmm. a bunch of competitions as well and and i guess that's something that put your name out that gives you almost that social proof like this person can write so mm -hmm. someone has put a stamp and said they are of quality and then it's taking those opportunities because and i think back to this this girl that asked a question in the in the class what i tried to get across to her that because we were talking about stem so I was, I was there to talk about uh stem subjects but as a creative myself and someone who works in stem i can switch hats but i was saying to her that with things like stem it's there's quite a established path like you can you know step one step two step three i know because i did it to get to like a, a stem related job 
Whereas mm -hmm. in the creative field, it's quite uh there's not such a path <laughs> or, or there's yes. many paths and mm -hmm. something that looks like a path isn't a path mm -hmm. um but what you've outlined is that once you got your name out you took the job uh you you took the opportunities and then it's about the the people so then almost as much as your writing skills it's like your your people skills like turning up on time turning things in on time getting to know people and then networking to get other opportunities no definitely because that's the thing, there isn't just a simple path. Like, so even like the Triforce thing, for instance, that happened in 2017. And I think at the time I was like, oh my gosh, once I've done this, like my spec script is going to be so strong. Like I might get an agent and then I might get to write on a show. And this was an adult sitcom that I'd written and I sent it, they sent it around and stuff like that. But there was like, nothing really came back and nothing really came of it. And I was a bit like, oh, okay. And then I got onto the BBC Comedy Writers Room, again with the same adult sitcom. So I was thinking, okay, like Wicked, it shows that this script is really strong. And again, that was a great scheme and working on different mediums and all different types of comedy. And interestingly enough, like I, because they asked us to write a script that was completely different to the comedy. And then I decided to write um, a children's script, which was completely different to the adult sitcom. And again, worked on that with like kind of like a mentor and I was thinking oh yeah this is going to be the, the spec script that's going to get me and again it was the same thing send it out but nothing really came back so then you have these big competitions these big moments and you think they're going to lead to that door being opened and you getting into the career you want to do and it just doesn't work like that it's like you gradually just get closer and closer and closer and I'm sure there were some people in my cohort who might have wrote a great spec script and then got straight away in or something like that it just shows mm. how everyone's journey is so different and then I got onto uh animation um resort kind of we went away to Lancashire for a week and we had to pitch ideas and that was really really promising it was for children's and I thought oh something's going to come with that and then again it's like got close but then nothing really did happen so then again, you have to go back to a drawing room and try and think of new ideas and try and create a whole new spec script. But what you're doing is you're learning so much. So even though none of those previous competitions led to me becoming a full-time writer, my writing massively improved. I made really great connections so that when things finally do happen, you can kind of connect all the dots and be like, oh, okay. I learned so much from this person, that person. And then even like with Triforce, for instance, at the moment I'm writing on Doctors and um, that opportunity came through Triforce saying to me, are you interested in writing a Doctors? We know a script editor, we can send his, your script to him and see if he's interested. So now I'm writing on Doctors, but that's because of a relationship I'd set up five years ago. So right. every relationship you make, every contact can be so valuable and it's just you've got to kind of keep like a little special book or just like a little note page <laughs> or something yeah just to call on those people and just remind them like oh hey like even if i'd win a new competition i would contact people i'd met two years ago and be like hey just won this recent competition with this new script love to hear what you think and stuff just the people you remain in their minds and um hopefully when things do happen then it's like oh, okay she's actually doing this and this because people want to know that you're being active yeah i always get that impression it's like even and i don't know if you found this but i'll get instances and like tazzy um, like we both had this where you don't always realize people are watching like mm. i don't know i'll put stuff on social media say and we'll get like some likes we're not huge we'll get some likes but then 
I'll go to an event or something. I'll meet someone and they go, oh yeah, you, that thing you were doing on social media. I'm like, I'm sure, like I'm not that actively checking. Actually, I have to technically for our mm-hmm. business, but uh, I'm not that much on social media, but I do like to look at, you know, what's going out, what people are reacting to. I'm like, I'm sure I've never seen you react to anything we've done, but mm. people are watching. And it's mm-hmm. like, so when the time comes, and like in your case, oh, we've got this opportunity. I know you're being active. You're putting your yourself out. Again, it's that I go back to that social proof from from the awards. It's a different kind. It says that this person is actively going after their craft, their business. So there's some validation in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And I noticed when you were talking about the uh, the different spec scripts and, and competitions, you mentioned I think starting with like an adult sitcom and then going to children's television. Was that a conscious switch? Because I noticed like a lot of the, the shows that I read out that you're working with are children's television. Was that like something mm-hmm. you specifically wanted to go into or you just found yourself in that part of television? I think for me, I've always been interested in both because like I said, with my first ever play, that was a children's play. It was for 12 to 16 year olds. Mm. And so I think it's about the idea. If the idea comes to me and I'm like, it's for this audience, then I write it for that audience. The sitcom was kind of like based off my family. So again, it had to be adults because it was like my parents and then older kids and stuff like that. So I think I've always loved both. Um, and I've always really wanted to write for both. And I think, and also the same way with like comedy and drama, I've always loved both and wanted to write for both. And sometimes a lot of people have said to me that you can get pigeonholed. People can see you only as a comedy writer or only as a children's Mm. writer and stuff. So I'm really happy that so early on in my career, I'm already writing on a children, on children's shows and an adult show. In comparison, obviously, majority of them are children's and Doctors is my first adult piece. But I think it's kind of like, for me anyway, there isn't that much of a difference. You're going through all the same steps, like you're doing. It's still a story. Yeah, it's still a story. You're doing the same like beats to get to that story. You're working with a script editor. You're getting notes from your producer, then the broadcasters. So it's a very familiar world. And I feel like having the two is for me really enjoyable because like I can be really wacky, for instance, like <laughs> it's dad and um, you've got the animation and anything can happen and then you've got the reality of doctors which is real life and you can really tap into um personal stories or things that you've heard and then you can go to like jojo and grand grand which is so sweet and just the grandma and granddaughter relationship so for me it keeps me on my toes and it keeps me interested and and keeps me excited and um at the moment i'm i'm loving doing both basically (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of a switch, like a mental switch, like for different audiences, even because uh, we just finished, well, just about finished doing um commission through our brand for a, chill, well, our comics are all ages anyway, but this is specifically for another organization who are doing primary school projects. They wanted, wanted a, a comic to go along with that. Mm. And it was a different experience. It's, it, it's similar because it's still a comic, still writing. Like you say, it's, it's still, it's a story. But it's um, because you know it's for kids, like exclusively for kids. You approach it differently. You can be a bit sort of plainer with the language, a bit more sort of direct with the actions that are happening. Uh, in my case, you can uh, squeeze in uh, a fart joke just <laughs> because, so because uh, you know that will fly. Um, so yeah, I, I, I get that. Uh, it's cool and it's quite like mental mental exercise. I mean, just being in in the industry now. 
I mean, do you feel that you've you've made it now? Is that is that like a mental state you're in, or do you feel there's? I mean, there's obviously there's always more to go, but do you feel like you've made it? It's weird. Like um, someone said that asked me this the other day. I don't. It's weird. I think when you're actually in it, you don't really think like if you're looking outside. So if I was looking at myself outside, I'd be like, oh yeah, like you've made it. Like you're a full time writer now. But as I'm in it, I'm like, I don't feel like I've made it because I don't really know what that actually really means, if that makes <laughs> sense. I know that I am writing full time and that's honestly all I've wanted to do. So in that sense, yes, I've made my passion my career. So I say, yeah, if, if yeah. that's what it means to make it, then yeah, I've made my passion my career, definitely. But then people have different levels of like, you've made it. Do you know what I mean? And, I don't and it changes, think, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think for myself anyway, it's ever been like, oh, I need, I need like my name in light. I don't need like a lot of these big things to happen. I <laughs> honestly, I'm happy and very content to be a full-time scriptwriter and just to get to write on so many different fun shows and the great thing about working freelance is that it's always something new and every project is so different and um, you're suddenly absorbed in this new world. So yeah, every day, even though you might have a, a, a routine in terms of like you're, you're essentially at home or in an office or a mm-hmm. coffee shop writing, it's different because you're writing on different shows, you're working with different people and yeah, that's what I really love. Is that your your day to day, like from from home to office to coffee shop, which is kind of a stereotype? But is that, <laughs> it's funny. Is I that said thing, those, is there a... those things, but I'm actually very much a homebody. Like I, okay. I yeah. only work from home because I I get distracted easily and can't really sit still for long periods of time and stuff like that. So I think I get uh... on people's nerves in a coffee shop or a library or something like that. So I like working from home because then I can go for like a walk and just be in nature and stuff like that. And Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of my, my routine really. I don't really have a routine. Okay. That's the thing. I'm still kind of working out what that is and when my most productive hours are and stuff. Because I just work oh, okay. anytime when I feel like it's working, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, you got to set your own. But again, the comparison between like the, uh, I go back to that STEM session where like when you're in an office, it's sort of set for you, isn't it? But when you're mm-hmm. freelance in a creative industry, you, you have to set your own boundaries, your own routine, and it, it can shift a lot. And I mean, you, you say like you work from home a lot, but you are in television. So does does the reality of being in television, writing for television compare with what you thought it might be? Does it look like what you think it is or was? I don't think I thought too much about what it would actually be like, to be honest. <laughs> I feel like I felt so far away that I didn't really entertain that. I kind of just thought, oh, I'd love to do this. And I was so focused on pursuing it and trying to get into it that I never actually sat down and thought, oh, but what would that actually entail? Yeah, so I I don't really know, actually. <laughs> mm. um, but, I mean, it's, yeah, I've enjoyed it. I've I love the flexibility and yeah, in a way being your own boss um, because you're not your own boss in, in many ways, because obviously whatever show you're working on, you have to. Yeah. Someone's waiting for you to, yeah, yeah, <laughs> to exactly, turn in work. Exactly. But just in terms of like 
as we discussed, um, choosing your hours of work and the place you work and stuff like that. So yeah, I enjoy that flexibility. And I don't think I realized actually how collaborative the whole process was. Because I think okay. when you're on your own and you're just writing spec scripts or coming up with ideas, that's just you. And then you're just rewriting it, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're writing on shows, like you're getting feedback from so many different people and it ends up like always, the idea always ends up being so much better than you could ever have imagined because you've got so many people just throwing in ideas and thoughts. And um, that I really, really love, um, especially like the writer's rooms when you um, are like ask beforehand could you like um send in some springboard ideas and then you turn up on the day and then they've gone through your ideas and they say which ones are their favorites and then you discuss them with the whole room and then everyone will be given in ideas and it's such a like exciting time because you're like oh my gosh it started like from two sentences and now it's like a fully fleshed episode (laughs) (laughs) and you're just like fiercely writing so you get everything down on a piece of paper and then you come away with a really clear idea of what you're doing and yeah so I don't think I realized that side of things beforehand and um, that makes it not so lonely and the thing is I'm someone who likes being alone so it's not a problem for me but it is always nice to have those moments of interaction and yeah just advice and help yeah, a different perspective on, on what you're doing. Like someone will come and say something, like you never saw it, but you just need to shift your head like slightly 37 mm-hmm. degrees. And it's like, oh, right, yeah, I see that whole new idea come through. So yeah, I, I definitely get that. And you, you say like it's an exciting sort of space to be in when you're working collaboratively. Mm-hmm. Does it feel quite vulnerable at any time? Like how do you handle criticism or just that idea of like making something you've, you've been working by yourself on this idea you think is great and then mm. having to put it out to people that you may or may not know and then expecting some kind of feedback criticism maybe like how does that feel I think from quite an early stage from like the different competitions and stuff I got quite used to feedback and I always kind of thrived off the feedback to be honest um because because I knew that by the end my project would always be so much better so um, I was never really too precious. The only thing is, I would say like sometimes when you get notes, first of all, especially if it's like your own project, I think it's easier when you're writing on other people's shows because you're just like, well, yeah, they know the world so much better than me. They know the characters, et cetera, et cetera. But I guess if it's something that you've written originally, you might be thinking, oh, they just don't get it or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you don't see it. Yeah, you don't. It's, just, yeah. it's like this. <laughs> but I think majority of the time, it's not that they just don't get it. It's just that it's not there on the page. You know that piece of information because you know that world inside out, but you haven't then translated that for others to understand. So I think, yeah, I think like everything, to be honest, um, learning to become a better writer, learning to become better at taking feedback and notes and just using it to your advantage. And I think also when you start out, you're kind of like taking every single note. As you move on, you're kind of starting to realize, okay, like I can tweak that note to make it work in a way that makes sense to me. Or a good thing especially has been for me that um, a lot of the shows I've written on, because at the time, and even now, a lot of people still see me as a new writer, 
they would be like, oh, do you want to discuss the notes on Zoom or something like that? So we'd sit down and just go through them. And sometimes that's the best way to kind of understand where people are coming from. And so then you can sometimes think of the solution on the call instead of having to just do it purely on your own. Yeah. And then as you build up your confidence and as you write more episodes for that specific show, you kind of already know what is expected and where you can take that note, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of your, it's your learning to take feedback, learning to take feedback from specific people or teams, creative teams. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that's a good approach to take. Even like what you're saying about sort of taking what you need from the feedback. Like it's not, because sometimes it's not necessarily what, people say but it's what they mean that Mm -hmm. makes sense trying to find like in a weird way like i said i worked in stem so i used to be a software engineer and some there are certain times where i feel it might sound weird but it's like storytelling is a bit like coding because in like when you're programming sometimes you'll see a bug and some random stuff will happen Mm -hmm. but it's not the thing it's not the thing on the surface you have to like dig a bit deeper to find like the source of the bug usually it's a semicolon there's there's always a semicolon but uh, you have to find like where the, the the sources and when it's like feedback when it's like writing it's like someone might say like i don't like this character it's not that they don't like the character it's like you might not have explained the backstory or their motivations so you need to go and dig a bit deeper than the surface then it's not about scrapping the characters like finding the source and then addressing it and then seeing if that that fix uh, works yeah definitely it's about making that character then likable or giving them yeah. real purpose because people will be like, well, why is this character in the scene if they're actually not doing anything and they haven't changed or they haven't influenced any change? And yeah, all of those things are all very valid. And But at the time you might just be thinking, you don't like the character that I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <It's> just, <laughs> I thought I was going to knock him over. <laughs> no, it's true. And I mean, like you mentioned, you talked like a bit about the the awards. I want to sort of circle back to that because you you've discussed like the the external aspect of it, like winning and getting your name out and and using that leverage. But when you were entering and like the awards that you did win, did it change anything in yourself at all? Yeah, definitely. It gave me loads more confidence because I think for every competition I would win, I probably would have got like I don't know, I can't even count the amount of no's I might have received in that year. (laughs) And then suddenly you get that yes. And you're like, oh my gosh, somebody gets me. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, definitely confidence and then excitement. And you just feel like you're getting a step closer to what you want to achieve. And yeah, sometimes you also get some money out of it, which is also great. <laughs> That's always good. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'll, that'll change some internal stuff too. Yeah, yeah. money works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is cool. And I mean, when it comes to like the craft of writing, you, you talked about like your location wise, but when it comes to the tools, like I imagine you're there laptop typing away or do you use like pen and paper at any point? Like what are your tools for writing? So I'd say like if, if I'm out and about and an idea just comes to me, I'll just write it on my phone on notes. But if I'm at home, to be honest, I can never sit in front of like a blank screen. I'll usually do something like just something menial, something that doesn't take much thought, but it's just kind of active. So I'm doing that kind of active thing, like even like gardening, washing up, um, going for a walk or like even just change the bed <laughs> and I've been doing it I'll be just thinking about this idea and running it through my head and then suddenly it'll click and I'll go oh 
and then I'll quickly like write it down on my phone. That's my main go-to. But then if I'm in a writer's room, I'll just take pen and paper because I feel like I can't write it fast enough on my phone. And I like to change it up and just be able to write. So I do still like writing in pen and paper. And then when it comes mm. to actually doing the scripts, straight away I'll just go on to that final draft and just start um, okay. writing out. But usually it will just be the early stages of like outline and stuff. It's funny because when I was doing this on my own, I would always go straight to the script. I would never mm. do an outline or a springboard or anything like that. So, oh, well, so yeah, doing this now professionally has been completely different because you obviously have to do the springboard, the premise, the outline, the scene by scene, and all of those things are so valuable. Um, but at the time, it's very hard to do those things when you're just doing it on your own because you're like, that's just so much extra work. I just want to get to the fun part. <laughs> just get to the point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just want to write the dialogue and that's the part I love the most. Yeah, but that's like the last part, isn't it? Like, I guess you, yeah. you found it's like, that's like the end of the, the process. Yes, yeah. So I, then in hindsight, I realized I was really cutting corners and a lot of the time people would be like, oh, we really love your script, really love your writing. But then there would, there would be loads of plot holes and those are things that they didn't understand and it's because I hadn't done the springboard, the premise, the outline, mm. all that kind of stuff. But I also feel like those things um, are really hard to learn but when you're actually doing it with professionals and they're giving you templates, because stuff like that, it's really hard to find templates of them online. It's all very mm. secretive. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, like every show, the template's different. Um, they even call it something different you might call it a beat sheet you might call it a scene by scene you might call it an outline but essentially they all kind of are the same thing but they all want it done differently so it's yeah it's definitely been a learning process it's the script part that i'm familiar with everything else has been new, yeah, yeah it's been, yeah. <laughs> it's been a lot but now i feel a lot more confident with that stuff so when i go back to my own original ideas i'm definitely going to start from the bare bones and work my way up and then when I get to the script hopefully all the little issues I was having before should all be solved and it should be so much easier to write the script as well yeah no I like that and I feel like because I do a lot of my writing on my own uh, mm. as well and we've got like uh, a team and we like brainstorm ideas but you've got a more of a structured process and then like industry professionals like giving that feedback and just the idea of the, the dialogue goes last or towards the end is like a really good thing to hear for people starting out because I've spoken to young people in workshops and trying to get that across to them like the the words because what you want is to lay out this story develop these characters such that they almost speak to you where you put them in a situation and you you just know how to react so it's not about you trying to force something you just put this character in a situation oh, of course this is how they'll react because you've done the work beforehand so you know and it all makes sense so like it's cool that you're you're getting that side of it because that is that is the writing isn't it mm -hmm. no definitely definitely and you've got like a bunch of different shows like how how do you balance the time between them like writing on them not just from a like literal time but also <laughs> the creativity because some of them are like mental jumps from one type of show to another like how do you manage that yeah definitely you know i think for myself personally, I find it very easy to switch off from one thing and go on to the next. 
I think even sometimes when I'm having conversations, like I'll just go off on a tangent and be like, how does I even get there from there? So I think it might be <laughs> in my personality. In I know a lot of people who say they can only work on one show a day, for instance, like, whereas I could, okay. I could spend three hours on one show, three hours on another show and three hours on another. And it wouldn't affect me once I've closed that document that show is done. That's it. It's done. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that definitely helps me. And that might even be to do with, I don't think I have the best attention span. So I think it even helps me to be able to like shut down and then go on to something else. Cause then it keeps right. me kind of entertained throughout the day. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then I guess the thing is when you're writing on other people's shows, because the world are so developed and the characters are so strong, it's not as murky as when you're working on your own stuff sometimes. So if if you are struggling a little bit, you can like send the script editor or the producer or something a line, or you can go back to the Bible, or you can look back to your notes from the writer's room. There's so much information available to you to bring you back to that world if you feel like you're getting a bit lost. Um, so I find that really helps. I would say at the moment, so at the moment I am writing on The Rubbish World of Dave Spuds, Andy and the Band, Milo, and then two shows that are in development. So that's five children's shows and then the adult show, Doctors. But because you have such big breaks in between, so like if you send off a draft, for instance, you're usually waiting a week for notes. So mm. if, you, if you're writing on quite a lot of shows, they rarely, hopefully, overlap. Sometimes you get a day when three come in and they all want the next draft or something like that in a couple of days but I found the majority of the time if an I if something comes in I try and do it straight away so that I'm kind of preempting the next headline so that when that one comes in then I'm ahead of the game so I try yeah, to always get yeah. things in early even okay. before the that's headline. good you've got a good approach thank you <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's kind of how I juggle it really cool no it's nice um so that, again like makes you good to work with and so people say hey Mariama you should try out uh, this project you'll be great for it you get those opportunities because of that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right so w when we met like I mentioned we met at the the children's media conference and first spotted you on on the panel and then we spoke a bit afterwards and you were doing a panel on uh, mentorship and for me what what I noticed is is that you weren't white and male on that panel. So just... Don't let them know. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll edit this bit out so no one will ever know. You could, you could stay, stay at home. And... No, no. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, we know creative industries aren't the most diverse uh, a lot of the times. Is that just something you've noticed and in the spaces that you've been in your work and has it not necessarily impacted you, but do you, do you find that an, an impact to people like yourselves maybe getting into industry in, in any way? 100%. Um, you're always aware when you're the only ethnic minority in the room. <laughs> you, mm, yeah. You, 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 you know, everyone else in the room knows. But one thing I never, ever, well, I tried to never, ever think is I am only here because I just think you're doing a disservice to yourself. One thing, though, that, I have found is that things are definitely changing. And I think, especially since Black Lives Matter and COVID and lockdown, there is a lot more space 
especially I would say for um, women, one, but also women of different ethnicities. So I'm seeing, I'm seeing a gradual change, but there are a lot of times when I still am the only person who isn't white in the room. Mm-hmm. But then also I might then also be the only person who is of a certain age in the room. Because a lot of people... Okay, yeah, that you, too. <laughs> yeah, like it's a hard industry to get into. And once you're in and you've been doing it for years and years, people are just going to keep hiring you because you're great and you do an amazing job. Why wouldn't they? So it's, yeah, it's very, very small, a very small community I've noticed. But it seems that people are really trying to get new writers and new voices because that's all I hear. Like everyone's like, oh, we want a new writer on this and we're <laughs> able to take a risk and a new writer on this. And I feel like a lot of the shows I've written on, they've been like, yeah, we because we're on season two now or we're on season three, we can take a risk with a new writer. And that's the thing. They genuinely okay. see it as a massive risk because... Risk, yeah, I noticed you said that. Yeah. You said the word risk. Is that Has someone like said that that, that word literally? Um, I'm sure they have. Or is that just like a sense that you get? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm, I can't think specifically. I don't know if I've heard it so many times and think I've heard it specifically (laughs) or it's just, I don't know. I'm not sure actually, but I think it's definitely something you're aware of and, um, you know that you have to, um, set their mind at ease and let them know, no, like Mm. I will be able to meet the deadlines. I will be able to write this show. Yeah, I think because it's so far fast-paced TV, if you can't fulfill what they need from you, then it's going to make so much extra work for them. You're right. So, yeah, you you kind of get why they aren't able to take as many risks because it's so fast-paced and you think, oh, that's why you need like um, different opportunities and different... So even when I got onto the BBC New Voices programme, through that, I then got onto um, a three-month placement in animation. And it was there that not writing, it was everything but writing. So I really got to understand the entire world of animation um, and all the different cogs and different parts. And it was through working with different producers, etc., and stuff like that, that I ended up um, working with Tom from Jojo and Grand Grand, who's the producer. And I said to him, oh, I've got like some ideas for Jojo and Grand Grand. Can I pitch them to you? And he was like, yeah, sure. And I pitched them to him and he liked one of them. And he was like, yeah, we'd like you to write this episode. And I was like, what? Wow. Okay. Wow. So again, it was kind of like just taking that risk thinking, okay, I'm in this situation. The worst thing he can say is no, let me just go for it. And once people get to know you and feel like they can trust you, then they're like, okay, we'll take that risk. And once you do it once, they're like, okay, cool. Then you can do it again and again. And I think by the end, I, I wrote nine episodes of Jojo and Grand Grand. And mm. I really, really enjoyed it. And to think that was my first commission, I was just really grateful that he um, was willing to take that opportunity because that's what you need. You just need people to be willing to take that risk. And I'm saying that word again. because if they don't then you're just in the dark you're still in the dark for such a long time but um i hope we see more change we definitely need more change um and it would be great to see people of ethnic minorities in all areas not just the script writers you want to see producers executive producers commissioners it needs to be in all levels do you know what i mean yeah and 
But there's so many factors as to why that doesn't happen. Because again, you need to be able to have the time, the resources, the money to pursue this career because it's not easy. Mm. The network. Yeah. Yeah. The network definitely helps. And that's why I think competitions are great because if you don't have those people around you, the only way you can get to them is through competitions. Right. That's the platform that becomes the platform. Yeah. Yeah. Or obviously making your own stuff and just putting it out there, putting it on YouTube and different platforms and stuff like that. But you just have to be active. You have to be so active. No, it's really good that you say that that active part. I feel definitely like young people I've spoken to trying to get that across. Like you can't you can't just sit and have it be handed to you like in school. You have to be active, get out, show what you can do, talk to people, put your work out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it sounds like you've done all of that and, and it's working out. So I mean, we've been talking about television, but in future, like are you because you've written a play, you've worked at television, are there any other mediums? that you'd be interested in writing for. And I'm thinking like video games might be the only one you haven't been for. <laughs> yeah, is that something that's ever crossed your mind? Well, the same way TV initially didn't cross my mind. So I I wouldn't say I'm closed off to anything really because now I've written in radio as well. Um, so the only thing okay. I haven't done like professionally is, um, like you said, video games and film. Right. But... Yeah, I'm young. I've still got sure time. There's, yeah. <laughs> I'm still very much open to just seeing where things take me. Um, I don't have a fixed path in front of me. Yeah, I'm just kind of enjoying the journey. I that would be like a big thing. I would say actually, I'll leave that for when you ask me what my advice would be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're almost there. <laughs> All right. My, so my last question before we ask for our guest pro tip is what does success look like to you now? And are you there yet? Oh, good question. Um, I'm going to be kind to myself and say, I feel like I have reached a level of success because I am now a full-time scriptwriter, and that's mm, what I've wanted to step. do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I would say I have reached a level of success. And I'm excited for the future and what else will come about. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens, if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, that answers the question. So is there a, and what's the next level of success look for, like for you if, you're, if you've hit this level? I'm not sure. Uh, well, I, to be honest, I guess um, the next level would be to have one of my own original ideas in development. That would be... I like that. Yeah. That would be, and then I guess the level after that would be something original being on TV or if I wrote another play or something, having it on. But then I don't want to live my life trying to reach different levels, if that makes sense. Because I feel like if you don't, you could then be disappointed and not enjoy what you do have. So as much as I would love an original idea to come to life at some point, if it doesn't, and I I'm just able to have a career as a scriptwriter. That definitely for myself would be enough. And yeah. I like your approach. All right. So with that, we're now going to get into our guest advice segment. In each interview, we like to ask our guests to give advice for aspiring creative professionals. So we've been talking about writing, uh, script writing specifically. So Mariama, what advice do you have for others listening who may want to get started with creating their own stories and putting them out into the world? My main piece of advice would be enjoy the journey. 
because you have no idea how long that journey will last. And if it's something you really are passionate about, if you can't enjoy the journey, you'll end up getting there and thinking, oh my gosh, I kind of wasted so many years and now I'm here. I'm actually even enjoying it. So I think even the small things like, I don't know, if you post a video and you only get a couple of likes or you put on a play and only a couple of people turn up or anything, if you've created something that is important to you and has meaning, one, it's such a brave thing to do. Two, not everyone can do this. So you clearly have something and if it makes you happy and you enjoy it, then go for it. If it doesn't lead to that being your career, it can still be your passion. And I just think if things don't work out how you expect them to or you want them to, if you just enjoy the journey, you'll still take something away from it and you'll be able to look back and be like, oh, that was a fun time when I was doing this or that. Because I think when you're creating and you're using your imagination and you're putting your heart and soul into something, you're going to get so much back regardless of whether you get a claim or not. So just be brave and just go for it. I really like that. I, I feel like, Tazzy, like we said this, we're like, uh, really the interviews are for us, like, not going to lie. Um, <laughs> people listening to them, they're, uh, they're for us, like, people come with advice that is comes at the right time. But this one's for me. <laughs> so I'm going to take that, even if no one else listening uh, takes that. I'm going to take that bit of advice, as especially as we go into 2023. I think that's very worth keeping in mind for just anyone, but especially people starting out. It's like, you have to enjoy the, the thing that you do, because that's, that's all there is, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so listeners, let us know what you think. Uh, you can always give us your feedback on this interview, feedback at mymatter.com. Before we end, can't leave without going into our bonus round. Yeah, I mean, that was so much. It was so great, like, hearing your journey and hearing everything about how you got into writing and and how you enjoy it. I didn't really have much questions because I was just absorbing so many, so much <laughs> of what you said, which is always the... Uh, fun bit of doing the podcast but also you kind of then forget to think of your own questions <laughs> but I was wondering what's the most standout theatre show from your childhood oh that's a good one um okay so I really loved his dark materials I saw it at the National Theatre it was absolutely amazing on stage there was like polar bears fighting and I was like this is wow. so cool I turned to my dad and he was fast asleep <laughs> I could not believe it. <laughs> it just shows that, like, wow. you can write the most amazing thing, but it will just not appeal to everyone. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> that is so true. That is good advice. I like that. I just started reading that. Well, read it last year for the first time. I think oh, it was last nice. year or the year before. I forget how time works. So I can imagine that's a really good show. Have you watched the TV show? I haven't oh, yet. It's so good. It's so Okay, so I'm going to get on that. Yeah. Because I just, so I read the book and then I didn't even realize there was a TV show. And our, our illustrator, uh, Penali, mentioned there's a show. It's like, why isn't there a bigger deal? Or it might just be I completely missed it. Uh, it's probably me. So I'm going to get into it. And because they've got season two, right? I think well, I just saw it. advert for that. Oh, see, that's how far behind I am. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I knew it was more than one. <laughs> so, 
I, oh, no. I, yeah. Clearly, people are noticing uh, Nigel, and it's, it's just you. <laughs> it's just me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it usually is just me, to be fair. So I, I fully accept that. So I, I'm going to put that on my list of things to watch uh, next year. But uh, Mariama, thank you for the recommendation. It's on my list. And thank you for spending time with us uh, to talk about your journey into the world of television writing. No problem. I really enjoyed myself. Thank you for having me. No, we appreciate it and appreciate people listening. So if you enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Like I said, we're about to go on a recording break, but you can always go back in time, check out our over 100 episodes, and then, yeah, stay tuned for the new ones to come in the year 2023. You can also give us a rating, give us a five-star rating and review because that helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussion. And our own stories, uh, our manga is available on our website, myamada.com forward slash manga, including the latest series through the fog. So you can check that out and the other titles from the Myamada universe. You can join the Studio 77 Discord and consider becoming a member for exclusive access to Myamada events and content from our universe. And I also mentioned it at the top, our Do I Look Like a Gamer video game representation campaign uh, is live. It's going to be back in the new year and we're starting this campaign so that future generations of talent know that there is a place for them in video games no matter where they come from. So we want to empower them to be an active part of shaping the future of the video games industry. So we've got more plans in in store for next year. Uh, So yeah, follow us, looklikeagamer.com and on socials. And as for the podcast, you can stay tuned for more podcast episodes, including creator interviews like these, video game discussions, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at mymatter.com. Uh, and our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. So thank you for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe. And remember, it always pays to pay attention when fo- polar bears are fighting. So Try not to fall asleep. Just a bit of life advice there. (laughs) Take care, everyone.